All right, so this week, again, this is a question that was posed to me through the surveys I handed out several weeks ago on a Wednesday night. We will dig into the very root of this question next week, but for now, I want to confront it uh, directly. So why was God so involved in the Old Testament or in the Bible in general, yet he seems so uninvolved now? And uh, this is a stumbling block for some people as perhaps um, maybe we're just, uh, we need an adjustment in our perspective of what it looks like when God is active. All right, so how active was God in the Old Testament? The Old Testament story from Abraham to Nehemiah covers a period of about 1,600 years. Uh, Most moments of direct physical intervention were concentrated in short spans, or and what I mean by direct physical intervention were bona fide, no doubter miracles uh, from most people's point of view. And uh, they were concentrated in short spans, such as with uh, between the lifespans of Moses and Joshua, of course, bringing them through the wilderness and establishing them in the promised land and uh, the lives and the miracles of Elijah and Elisha while God would sporadically step in at crucial moments, uh, such as with these prophets and judges. Um, This is the narrative of of the people of Israel and their role in the ultimately redemptive story. It includes the original promises to Abraham all the way through the return from exile and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. So as you read through the Old Testament, it is important to keep in mind that the miraculous wasn't necessarily happening every day. You know, as you're reading through some of the books of the Bible, it seems like there's a miracle every five minutes. But really, it's, it, it's a couple generations apart at, at a lot of times, especially in Judges and Kings. Um, you know, it wasn't always like with, with Moses in the wilderness, like he, God was providing manna and quail for them every day to eat, and providing for their every single need. So there was long periods where, you know, God would allow whatever was going to happen to happen. Um, Another important thing to keep in mind is that when God spoke, it was not usually in an individual, personal manner as he can deal with us today. He would choose a mouthpiece for his word to be disseminated, and they were, they were pretty uncommon. It would be through his prophets or, or certain judges, and it would be for a specific purpose. It wouldn't necessarily be uh, in, their, in the, the day-to-day lives of all of his people. If you notice, when you're reading through the books that tell the story of the kingdom era, everyone seems to be aware of the identities of the prophets of God and their comings and goings. If they were common, people would not have taken such sharp notice of them. Uh, If you notice just in in, in certain stories, somebody would be looking for a prophet, and they're like, oh, yeah, he's in this town. So they'd they'd know automatically, so they were uncommon. Another thing to keep in mind when you're you're reading through the, the Old Testament in particular is there were long gaps between moments of direct intervention or miracles or God speaking Um, From Joseph's dream interpretation to to Moses' burning bush, there was a gap of around 400 years. Uh, After the death of Moses, the Israelites lived under such 
harsh conditions uh, as slavery and lived and died under their circumstances for 400 years roundabout. One of Moses' fears in going back to his people was that they would not believe he had been sent by God. After all, it had been a while since God had directly spoken and dealt with his people. But God, as Exodus 3.25 tells us, God heard the groaning of his people and he took notice. And uh, as far as the period of the judges, there were times that God would hand Israel over to its enemies for long stretches of time. They would forget that their grandfathers were delivered, or their great-grandfathers were delivered from their enemies by a judge whom God would raise up and they would rebel against uh, the, the, the book of the law, the commands of God. Um, and last time I spoke, uh, I briefly mentioned the 400-year gap between Malachi and uh, John the Baptist where it was seen as a silent period where uh, God's people weren't hearing from him. Uh, they had the book of the law and they, they had their Old Testament assembled uh, by that time, but they, didn't, they weren't receiving new revelation from God. And this is, this is a 400-year span. So imagine, you know, in the last 400 years, if God had done nothing, what the world would look like. It wouldn't look like it does today. But the, uh, the people of Israel during this intertestamental period... They, they, they became desperate after this long time of not hearing from God, and they were looking for that Messiah, their conquering king, just as, you know, in, in a physical manner, kind of like King David, to come and save them from the Romans, to save them from their enemies. And they, in contrary to their popular hope and belief, when the Messiah finally arrived, he came as a conquering spiritual king. And this is a central tenet of of what Jesus came and taught. He came for the spiritual, okay? Um, while God was active in the Old Testament, I believe that he is even more active now through the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. I would like to let the Bible itself tell you the story of the greatest miracle of all that is also the most available miracle of all and that is also the most continuous miracle of all. I set these up in as, as good of a flow and logical order as I could, but we're just going to read from the Word here if that's all right with y'all. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. And Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter. He saved us not by, his, by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. 
He poured out this spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. So we were justified by the grace of the creator God, come down to earth as a sacrifice for our sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So don't worry saying what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. And this is based off of some of that scripture, the house of prayer statement of faith. We believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, by whose indwelling the Christian is enabled to live a godly life. These are our everyday miracles. Salvation granted to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hope granted to us through the assurance of our eternal home. Guidance and regeneration from our sinful nature granted through the work of the Holy Spirit who is present within us. Peace granted through these promises and the comfort of knowing them to be true. And love that pours out from an overflow of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives that is beyond our human capability. I want to read this passage carefully and pay attention to the the terminology. Um, This is an example of, you know, uh, one of the milder times that that God stepped in and delivered his people in in Judges. Um, The Israelites cried out to the Lord, so so the Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over Cushan Rishathaim, king of Aram, to him, so that Othniel overpowered him. To me, when I think of someone that the Spirit of the Lord is upon, I don't just think of of biblical people and, and biblical stories. I think of people like Eve Rose, who runs the orphanage in Jeremy Haiti. She might not be slaying the king of Aram, but she certainly is fending off another enemy from her gates. By now, she has raised hundreds of children into adulthood, all the while training them in righteousness. Every time I think of her life and ministry, I'm blown away. She is not consumed with the things of this world. She is consumed by the hope of eternity. Caring for and bringing as many of her kids with her as she can. And you can't say, you can't even say that she doesn't know that there is a more comfortable life to be had on this earth. She's visited the state several times now. She knows. But she always marches right back to her orphanage, to her kids, to poverty, 
for the kingdom of God. This, this to me, is an example of the miracles of the now. The longevity and faithfulness that she has shown has been undeniably empowered by God in the midst of an awful situation. If we keep our eyes open for more of these examples, and I wish I could keep my eyes open to read, if we could keep our eyes open for more of these examples and our hearts open to being one of these examples, we just might change our minds when we think incorrectly that God was more active in the Bible than he is now. There's a story of Jesus with the the woman at the well who was an adulteress. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, as she offered him physical nourishment, physical water. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. I do believe that God still does physical miracles as well. It would be a bit ridiculous to say that I believe in the God that created the universe but doesn't do miracles. But I also believe that they pale in comparison, these physical miracles that we ask for and sometimes expect, that they pale in comparison to and are not nearly as important as what he has already done and is doing in our lives as Christians. Consider this. What do all the people that Jesus physically healed have in common? Every one of them. They physically died, right? But those who confessed with their mouths that Jesus is Lord and believed in their hearts that God raised him from the dead are not dead, but are alive with him. A physical miracle, a temporary miracle, just does not compare with the eternal spiritual miracle of salvation and regeneration, sanctification and glorification offered by our very creator. And that's a point that Jesus tried his entire ministry to get people to understand. It's a little shorter tonight, but uh, this is the pivot point that leads into next week's topic, which will dig into the root of this week's question of why does he not seem as active? You probably already realize what the root of it is, or you could make a good guess, but the root of this, the, the question we came, we've talked about this week of why don't I see God doing things is pain and suffering. Jerry talked about it this morning. You know, why? Why? Why doesn't God intervene before bad things happen? Why does he allow them if he is good? Why doesn't God bless me when I'm doing all the right things? These are just... These are some of the questions that I will try to 
speak from my experience, but not depending on my experience, but depending on the Bible for truth. Uh, next week. So, um, I know it was a little shorter tonight, but I had to break it into two parts this week and, and, and next week. If anybody has any specific questions about what I talked about tonight, or, uh, well, you can ask me now, but if you have questions that you would like me to specifically address for next week, um, I'll be at the church this week. You can um, write a note and leave it for me. Um, would probably be the best way. Um, but if there's any questions about what I talked about tonight. Okay. Good job, young man. Well, let me pray for us then. God, I thank you for who you are what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to do with our lives. God, help us to open our hearts to you and, and, and to what you want to do. Help us, Lord, to surrender our will over to you and that we, we would have eternity in mind and that hope would be the, the fuel of our, of our walk, Lord. I ask that you'd be with us this week and that you would be present in our conversations with others and in our daily lives. And I ask all these things in your name. Amen.